0: On our worst days, when we realize the depth of our sin, uh, when we realize the the depth of our own sin, we may wonder, can I, can I go to God with this? After, uh, after this, uh, you know, feeling the gravity of what we have done, we may wonder, like, would Jesus accept me like this? On other days, we may be hardened to our sins, uh, hardened to our need for Jesus, uh, and we get this distorted view about ourselves and thinking that we've got our acts pretty much together. We're, we're doing pretty good. We're killing it, right? Uh, or, uh, the other distortion that comes with that is we start to look at others with different sin uh and feel a little self righteous about ourselves and i would never do something like that uh i would never uh act like that and i can't believe they are you know that they they live like this both responses are wrong right the, the thought that uh my life is such a wreck i can't go to jesus is is the wrong response Uh, the hardened heart, the self-righteous kind of view of self of, man, I'm doing pretty, pretty good, uh, is also the wrong response. Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, uh, starts out the book sharing a story about a, a close friend of his who works with some of the kind of down and out in the Chicago area. And they, they deal with some hard, hard cases and one of the the individuals had a uh, one of the his friends had an individual come in and start sharing her her needs and then opened up about things going on in her life and he became troubled at some of the kind of criminal things that were being shared But she went on to to talk about that she's had to turn to a life of prostitution. Uh, She's had to commit lots of criminal activities because she's homeless and she can't feed her own children. And she's been fighting all of the just she's been trying to numb all of the the stuff that she's had to deal with with uh, substance abuse. And so she's an addict. And as the man listened to some of the horrific things that she had done, uh, he finally said to her, have you considered going to the church to see if you could get some help? And the woman's response to him was, church, why would I ever go there? I already feel horrible about myself. They're only going to make me feel worse. Philip Yancey goes on to write, Women like this prostitute fled towards Jesus, not away from Him. Has the church lost that gift? Evidently, the down and out who flocked to Jesus when He lived on earth no longer feel welcome among His followers. What happened? Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. We're going to continue our series through the Gospel of Luke. I've titled my sermon today, A Savior for Even the Worst of Sinners. And today as we look at the text, we're going to see a reminder of, of who Jesus is. Uh, we're going to see a reminder of how Jesus treats sinners when they will come to Him. And also be reminded of the appropriate response that we should have when we have been. Forgiven. I'm going to read the text, Luke 7, 36 through 50, and then I'll pray for us. Then, one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume And stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know... What kind of woman this, who and what kind of woman this is and who is touching him? She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You've judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man that who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And As we do each week, we confess this as true, and we ask for your help. Help us believe and help us respond as you would want us to. Holy Spirit, work now in our hearts and minds for your glory to change our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So, as we work our way through this text, we're going to see three things uh, concerning Jesus. The first is this Jesus welcomes all sinners who come to him. Jesus welcomes all sinners who come to him. Uh, Not just some, not just. The ones who have gotten their act together are not just ones that have done pretty good. They've got a few little things that come up every now and then. But he welcomes all sinners, even the worst of sinners. Let's look back at Luke seven thirty-six through 39 again. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a, wo- a woman in town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is Who is touching him? She's a sinner. So Pharisee invites Jesus in for a meal. Remember, the Pharisees are a really religious, legalistic group. They've prided themselves in morality, uh, in obedience, especially outward obedience to the law. They're the, the individuals who think, we've got it together. We're really living this faith out. And the Pharisees, of course, we've seen have rejected Jesus uh, because he hasn't responded. He hasn't been what they were looking for. He wasn't what they expected. And also they've hardened their hearts and don't see their need for a savior. But for some reason, this Pharisee decides to invite Jesus in for a meal and Jesus comes with him and it says that he's reclining at the table. Uh, meals at that time, tables would be low to the ground with cushions around. And an individual would kind of recline, leaning forward, propped up on the table with their feet laying back behind them. And so Jesus is reclining at the table and they are having this meal. And verse 37 says there's a woman who's a known sinner. She hears that Jesus is at the Pharisee's house. And she comes in. Now that may seem odd, but it actually was a custom of the day. If you were going to have a special guest into your home, one of the things for that meal, what you would do is open up your doors and windows... So that people could stop in, they could listen in, and they wouldn't be a part of the meal, but they could come in and listen to what's happening. It's like a come and go event uh, on the perimeter of the room while the dinner is taking place. So it's not that uncommon. There would have been other people listening and coming in, but it probably is very uncommon that this woman with a reputation would go into the Pharisee's house. Now, we don't know her sin. Uh, scripture doesn't clarify. Uh, many scholars assume, based off of some of the, the language that is used later on in the passage, that it's likely that she was a prostitute, but the text doesn't tell us for sure. Whatever the sin, she's known, right? People know her reputation. People whisper about her when she walks by. Uh, People have surely shunned her because of her reputation. But she's heard about Jesus. She's heard that this man is a little bit different, a lot different than everyone else. She's heard that this man actually seems to care about everyone, even someone who has the reputation that she does. And she comes in and she stands at his feet. Remember, Jesus likely reclining at the table, feet laying back behind him. And she begins to weep. And as she cries, her tears start to streak the dust on his feet. And she kneels down, takes down her hair, which would not have been A a respectable custom to do. Women would not have let down their hair in the presence of men in that culture. She takes down her hair and begins to wipe the tears and the dust off of his feet and she anoints his feet with the perfume that she has. She's casting off all societal norms to come to Jesus, to honor Jesus. And the people are likely embarrassed for her. They likely cringed when they saw her actions. Cleaning someone's feet was the role of a slave in that day. And for her to let down her hair and use it to wipe his feet clean, they would have cringed at this behavior. Gosh, can you believe She's doing that. And of course, that's not where they stop. They also are going to start to wonder, why in the world does Jesus let this happen? Why doesn't he put a stop to it? And so verse 39, we see the Pharisee himself. He can't believe it. And he just uses that. It's just more evidence for him. Jesus can't be who he says he is. There's no way if he was really sent by God that he would let this woman touch him. There's no way he would let this continue on. See, the Pharisee reveals his heart here. He, he clearly believes there are some individuals who are just too bad to be able to draw close to God. There are some individuals who their reputation is too bad to be able to go to God and receive Forgiveness. But Jesus, His response to sinners doesn't look like our response often is when we find ourselves in kind of that self-righteous mode of, hey, I'm doing pretty good. He doesn't look like and respond like the rest of the world. Individuals who are sinners, the worst of sinners, the ones who have the worst kind of reputation, they are welcomed by Jesus. Just like he welcomes any sinner who comes to him. There's not one that's like, well, you've you've gone too far. Jesus welcomed sinners. And this wasn't a an occasional thing, right? We've seen already some references to this. But we go on to later on in the Gospel of Luke. Luke 15, verse 1 and 2. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. All the tax collectors, all the sinners, the worst of the worst, they were drawing close to Jesus and he welcomed them. He would enjoy a meal with them. He wanted to be around them. Last week, as we were looking at Luke 7, we saw the statement he was, as he was talking about the Pharisees, he says, you know, y'all criticize me, you critique me because you say I'm a friend of sinners. They meant that as a critique, but it's actually true. Jesus is a friend of sinners. He wanted them near him. He wanted to care for them, and he hasn't changed. Dane Ortland in his book Gentle and Lowly says this, here is the promise of the gospel and the message of the whole Bible. In Jesus Christ, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. In Jesus, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. Our hearts, though, sometimes think, I don't know if I can go to Jesus. I don't know if Jesus would would accept me after this. Or more than likely in the church, sometimes we are looking at others and thinking, I don't know that Jesus would want them near. I don't know that Jesus would want someone like that coming close. But that's not Jesus. Jesus welcomes sinners. And the reality is we are all sinners. Every one of us, every day. Some of us may have more of a reputation than others, but we are all sinners who need a Savior, and the good news for us is we have one. We have a Savior in Jesus who welcomes us, who befriends us, so we can come to Him and we can know He will never push us away. He will never shun us. In addition, church, of course, the challenge for us is to fight against this kind of self-righteous view that we can easily find ourselves in. We need to be a church that actually reflects our Savior. If sinners could come close to Jesus, they should feel welcome coming to the church. And second point I want us to see from this text is this. Jesus offers forgiveness to sinners who come to him. Jesus offers forgiveness to all sinners who come to him. It's not that he just will put up with them like, oh, gosh, fine. Stand over there. You know, you can be around me. Uh, He actually will forgive sinners, even the worst of sinners, when they draw Close to him for forgiveness. Luke seven forty through forty three. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, "Say it, teacher." A creditor had two debtors; one owed five hundred denarii, the other fifty. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You've judged correctly, he told him. So Jesus knows the Pharisees' thoughts, right? The Pharisees thinking, man, if this guy were really from God, he would know what kind of woman this is. And ironic, right, And condemning of the Pharisee, Jesus does know. And he also knows Simon's heart. And so Simon didn't say this out loud. He thought it. But Jesus knew the thoughts. And he uses this as an opportunity. He gives a short parable with a question to teach about Simon's heart, to teach about the woman, to teach about forgiveness, to teach about how he responds to people. When they come to him. And so Jesus says, look, there was a creditor who two different individuals owed him money. One owed him five hundred denarii. A denarius was a day's wage for a typical worker of the day. One owed five hundred. So you're talking about a year and a half's worth of wages. That's a massive debt. The other owed 50 denarii, 50 days wages, a couple of months almost, also a debt. And it says the creditor realized neither one of them could do anything about the debt that they were in. Neither one of them could ever make up for the debt that they owed. And so because of his grace, he forgave both of them. They're both forgiven. Not just the one who owed a little, but the one who owed a lot as well. And then he asked the question, so, Simon, in that situation, who do you think is going to love the creditor more? And he says, well, I would, I would guess it would be the one who's been forgiven more. And he says, you're right. That's exactly right. Right? Simon's answer is uh, Jesus is using this to set the stage to reveal something about the woman and about Simon and about the forgiveness that's available to all people, whether you have a large debt or a small debt concerning your sins. It's in Jesus that every one of us can have forgiveness. He's the only way. So we none of us, whether we are pretty good most of the time, or we're the ones that have the worst of reputations. We all need forgiveness. And Paul, in Ephesians, writes these words. Ephesians 1-7, In Him, the Him, of course, being Jesus, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. It's in Jesus' That we can be forgiven. It's only through Jesus that we can be forgiven. And we're going to skip ahead just a a little bit in this passage in Luke. We'll come back to verse 44 through 47 in in the next point. But looking at verse 48, continuing on with this idea of Jesus offering forgiveness to all sinners who come to him. Verse 48, Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So he tells the woman, You're forgiven, right? She's come in with a burden, she's come in broken over the the things that she's done in her life. And she comes to Jesus and he says, You're forgiven. She She's not carrying the burden anymore, right? She uh, It feels like the weight has been lifted off of her shoulders. All of her sin is forgiven. Not just the stuff that the town knew about, right? The town said she has a reputation. They only knew part of it. She's been forgiven for all of her sins because she knew, He's my only hope. Going to Jesus is the only chance that I have. And Jesus forgives her. The people, of course, question him. Who is this? Who does he think he is that he can forgive sins? We've seen that question come up before. But as the divine Son of God, who is going to lay down his own life, So that sins can be forgiven. He does have the authority to forgive sins. And so what does that mean? Verse 50, he tells the woman, your faith has saved you. You're saved. Saved from the wrath of God that was to come because of your sins. You're saved. And he tells her, go in peace. You have peace with God now. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to worry anymore. Go in peace. Because Jesus is going to go to the cross and take the punishment for sin. He can offer peace to sinners. Colossians 1, we see that phrasing He made peace through His shed blood on the cross. Now, that's true for all sinners who come to Him, whether it's the, the worst of the worst or the moralistic you know, people that are pretty good rule followers. All sinners who come to Jesus will be forgiven if we would just admit our needs. If you just put your faith in Him, you'll be saved and you will have peace with God. So would you come to Him today if you never have? Would you admit your need for forgiveness and believe in him? And you can be certain that he will not reject you no matter what reputation you may have. And then church for us, let's remember he never tires of us coming to him because we still sin. This isn't just a a reminder just for salvation, But also, when we still find ourselves in sin, we have a Savior that we can go to, and He will forgive us. And He will remind us that we are God's sons and daughters, and that we have peace with God. So let's continue to come to Jesus for forgiveness. The third thing I want us to see, the last point from this text, is Jesus deserves our love jesus deserves our love here we're going to see the appropriate response when when you have received forgiveness the appropriate response is an outpouring of love for jesus verse 44 through 47 turning to the woman he said to simon do you see this woman i entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but, since she ha- but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven, little Loves little. Jesus points out that this parable about the two debtors does have the uh, critique of Simon's response. And there is a condemnation in Simon the Pharisee's response. He hasn't recognized that he needs Jesus, he hasn't recognized that he needs forgiveness. There's an indictment against him here, right? Simon has done absolutely nothing to even demonstrate just normal hospitality towards Jesus, much less showing love and devotion. All the customary things that would have been done for a guest that's being invited into a house, Simon did none of them. He didn't offer for his feet to be washed. He didn't greet him with a kiss. He didn't anoint him with oil. But the sinner, the one who everyone knows about what kind of person she is, she's had an outpouring of love for Jesus, demonstrating what Jesus means to her and it doesn't the wording here doesn't mean that it's because she did all of these things that she's forgiven it's out of the forgiveness that she's been that she has received she is pouring out a demonstration of her love for him Simon however is the one who's been forgiven little Simon who thought he was doing pretty good has done nothing to show love and devotion to Jesus. We are called to respond to Jesus in love. There should be an outpouring. If we have been forgiven, there should be an outpouring of love. Do you remember the description from Deuteronomy? The command from Deuteronomy 6-5, we see this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. All heart, all soul, all strength. Every fiber of your being should be poured out with love for God. And Jesus, as the divine Son of God, who is going to lay down His life for us because of our sins, deserves a response of love for that forgiveness so if you've been forgiven, there should be an outpouring of love for Him. And if you have no love for Jesus, no demonstration of love, no, uh, no obedience to Him, no serving Him, the question here, which was the question that was implied to Simon is have you really been forgiven? Because with forgiveness should come a response of love. We have a Savior who welcomes sinners. We have a Savior who forgives sinners when they come to Him. And if you want to know more about that forgiveness, if you've never come to Christ, if you've never trusted in Christ and received the forgiveness that's available to Him, I would love to be able to talk with you about that. I'd love to be able to share more about the gospel and what Jesus has done so that you could be forgiven. And so if you'd like to meet with me, you can fill out one of the yellow response cards and just say you'd like to learn more about trusting in Christ or that you want to schedule a meeting with the pastor, and I'd love to share with you more about this. Church, for us, we have two ways to respond here. If we've been forgiven, there should be a demonstration of love for our Savior. There should be an outpouring of love for Jesus. Not to earn anything, but in response to the forgiveness that we've been, that we have received, we should demonstrate love. He deserves it. And we also need to put away the, uh, judgmental, view that we have of other sinners people who sin different than us we unfortunately because of our sin we all have limits of where we think grace will stop right we all have individuals that we think yeah well they're too far gone Uh, they don't deserve this Uh, we have a savior that never shuns sinners all sinners even the worst of them Can draw close to him and receive forgiveness. And we need to welcome sinners just like our Savior did. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for this word. Help remind us that as sinners, we can come to Jesus for forgiveness, God. And Help us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, fight against self-righteous views of ourselves, thinking that we uh, we don't need that much forgiveness. Help us put away any idea that we are better than someone else. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.